0: Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. This is Chapter 4, Supplemental Episode 2, an interview with Jason Strober. Like most of the people we talk to, Jason has worn a lot of hats over the years. During the dot-com era, he was a venture capitalist with Vantage Point Venture Partners. As an entrepreneur, he founded the gaming company Treasure Games. and He also co-founded Swish Marketing, But for our purposes, we're going to go back and focus on the first company he founded way back in 1995, which was Focalink Media Services, which developed perhaps the first remote ad server. Jason gives us some excellent background as we continue to explore how advertising came to the internet and laid the foundation for the internet industry as we know it today. Jason Strober, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Thank you very much for your time. This is fun. So just to get started, can you tell us a little about a little bit about where you came up, uh, where you went to school, that sort of thing?
1: Sure. Um, let's see. I grew up uh, at Stanford University. My parents both teach there and grew up on campus. And when it time time to go to college, uh, I picked the closest place to me. Um, and at that time, everybody was very interested in AI, as was I. And uh, when I graduated from Stanford, um, the AI bubble sort of popped, and I needed to go get a job. Uh, and went to go get a job for a few years. And then... Um, Went back to business school, and around about 1994, um, John Doerr came to our class, and he asked whether or not anybody had downloaded Mosaic, and nobody raised their hand, but at the end of the uh, session, I went down to the basement and uh, downloaded a copy, and the thing came up after 45 minutes of trying to download the Mosaic browser, and wow, that was it.
0: Is this uh, fall or spring of '94?
1: I believe it was spring.
0: Okay. Um, so you got the you got the web bug.
1: I did, and then I had an opportunity to go be an internet taligent, which was this uh, joint venture between Apple and uh, IBM at the time, and hung out. They had fabulous connectivity at Talgent. And I was able to do a whole lot of web surfing and sort of look at how things might be, you know, eventually. Um, and had a very nice boss uh, who allowed me to explore some of that stuff. Um, and really came out of that summer realizing that the web was going to be very important.
0: Do you end up finishing your MBA?
1: I did. And so uh, throughout the sort of the late 94 and 95 um, tried to figure out my place in the web and what was going to be useful and interesting um, and started to think about advertising. Um, I saw on Wired, the Wired site at some point that Saturn Cars was doing some advertising and I thought that was very interesting and, and decided to uh, work with Dave Zinman and Andrew Conru uh, as partners to try to get Focalink funded, and we were going to go do something in internet advertising, and we had no idea what what we were going to do.
0: Right, that's actually, that's my question. What, did any of you have a background in in even media, much less advertising or anything? Nobody had
1: any sort of background in that.
0: So what made Um, you, what made you go in the advertising direction?
1: Um, So, one of the things that I did while I was at school was to um, do a survey of internet businesses I could find um, and I actually sent them a a mail survey uh, through the US Post and got responses and was writing this paper Um, and one of the things I found from these responses was that people were wondering how the heck they were going to get people to their site um, and get volume because they were making money but it was very difficult to get people to the site. Um, And that sort of got us all thinking about, you know, how this was all going to work.
0: Um, So, all you know at that point is that you want to do a startup that somehow does web internet advertising
1: or even something having to, <laughs> something having to do with the
0: web. Okay. So the is um, it's, it's the three of you at that point. So I can't remember whether
1: when Andrew came aboard, but I was friends with Andrew as well as Dave. Um, and I I can't remember how I met Andrew. So But sorry, I do know that, Well, I do know that the three of us began traipsing down up and down um, Sandhill Road, trying to find money for this crazy idea, uh, and that was probably in the spring um, of '95.
0: So, who do you end up uh, raising money with?
1: So, we ended up with Mayfield, um, but one of my one of my favorite recollections of this is going to Moore Davidow. And I don't remember which partner it was, but we essentially got thrown out of somebody's office by asserting that Internet advertising was going to be important. And he then lectured us all about the acceptable use policy and um, the fact that, uh, you know, he had been partially responsible for building this thing and, you know, there was never going to be any advertising on the Internet as far as he was concerned.
0: Right, because we should point out for listeners that until a certain point, not only is is commerce itself not allowed on the Internet, but advertising and marketing is not technically allowed on the Internet.
1: That was a big no-no. That's right.
0: So that must have presented a problem in, in raising money, as you're, as you're saying.
1: Well, I think it... Uh, I think that by the time we were really raising money, somehow or other, those issues um, sort of faded off, not because they had been solved, but just because, um, you know, I would liken it to the way that, um, you know, some of these taxi services like uh, Lyft and Uber sort of came about, where, you know, it, it wasn't so... Uh, clear what what should happen here, um, and people just started doing it, and I would guess that Wired started taking ads from Saturn and Saturn was happy. I mean i don 't know how that all came about, but uh, you know it, it sort of manifested itself
0: so you guys pretty quickly must have have gotten something together because the the web server that you guys the, the launch with. Is, is that in like July, summer of 95?
1: That's right. So it was a basic ad server system. Um, and, you know, we, have, we used to have to explain to people that uh, in an HTML document, you could uh, have pieces of that document coming from different servers and that ads could come from our server while the content came from their own server. And, you know, that was a, a really... Novel and interesting concept back then. So it, it and, we and now of course you can.
0: We well should, now of
1: course you know everybody knows that
0: right. And we should point out it was the first.
1: Uh, I am not sure that it was the first. It was certainly early. My understanding is that so one of the things that one of the people I talked to early on was David Karlick. Um, who was building a lot of websites for businesses back then. And I think, and, and at the time, I went to go talk to him. And subsequently, I became friends with Dave. And Dave told me that about two weeks before I showed up, he was talking to uh, the DoubleClick guys, and they also asked him for, for some help. So I think we were early. I'm not sure which we were earliest, but we were certainly early.
0: So, how quickly, once the product is brought to market, it, are there? Let me back up. You're, I imagine that your part of your problem is convincing people that this is this is something that is now a thing. So, how hard is it to to market this product now and start getting advertisers and start and, and start rolling this out?
1: So. One of the issues that we had was we we had this technology and we knew that we could serve ads from our server um, and that the server didn't have to be and and that the ads could come from a different place than the uh, rest of the content. And we knew that. Um, But what we couldn't figure out was a interesting business model around that Um, and. That was something we struggled with, I think, for a long while, um, and I think the DoubleClick guys really understood that this was that that the technology had to be paired with a rep business, and that was something that we never quite got. Um, and then, at some point, early, I think, in '96, the NetGravity guys showed up. And they were building ad servers that were not server-based, but sort of located uh, at the content site. Um, and so we were sort of we struggled quite a bit to try to figure out, you know, where we fit in and what what our business model should be.
0: So what, how how do you finally? What was the solution that you came to?
1: So we built a system that. Uh, allowed people to change ads, um, sort of test ads in a way that, um, you know, would allow them to figure out uh, which ad was performing better and that sort of thing. And so we became very advertiser-focused and not content-focused. So the first, as I recall, one of the first... Um, companies that was interested in working with us was Intel Corporation, and they were advertising in a whole lot of different places and wanted to do central ad serving so that they could control what ads were being served and understood which ads um, did best among all of the um, various media that they were buying. And so that was what we focused on.
0: And did you end up uh, working with Saturn as well? I
1: don't recall. Okay. Dave Zidman would recall that well. I recall working with Intel mm-hmm. um, and and some of the other advertising agencies.
0: So you're essentially you're the the technical back end for some of these advertising agencies as this starts to build out.
1: Right. And and the and companies would come to us directly because mm. at that time I don't think the agencies understood all this terribly well either. I mean, I remember there was one Anderson Lemke that that seemed to understand it uh, well, um, but they were more of a creative and not sort of interested in technology. I think sort of ad tech was very the idea of ad tech hadn't sort of fully gelled in people's mind yet.
0: And beyond just. Uh, serving the creative are you also doing any sort of analytics and targeting and things like that for for the clients
1: yeah so um many um clients were interested in you know i've got four different uh, creatives here which of the creatives are getting clicked where are they getting clicked and you know what kind of targeting can i do so you know can i do You know, day parting was an important thing for us. Um, Another thing people wanted to know was, you know, can I distinguish between .com and .edu domains? Um, You know, can I do? uh, Can I look at uh, IP addresses and figure out, you know, what geography they're coming from? Um, At the time, there was an awful lot of AOL traffic, and so it appeared that lots of people were coming from, you know, Herndon, Virginia. Uh, but ultimately we we were able to sort that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the most interesting, um, things that people wanted was frequency control. So, uh, somebody would say, you know, I want to show this ad, uh, three times. And then after that, if it hasn't been clicked before, let's change it so that the person sees a different ad, um, you know, if they are about to see a fourth ad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of these frequency controls that were interesting. And I know that you're going to talk to Lou Montuli at some point, or you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's sort of the cookie guy. Right. That was all part of the same thing.
0: Right, exactly. Um, so are you able to do any contextual targeting or, uh, you know, or, or any sort of behavioral targeting or anything like that?
1: Only to the extent that, so the contextual is targeting no way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, except that, you know, it was clear to us, given, you know, the number of sites that somebody was buying, you could tell, you know, the, the context of the site. It wasn't like you could buy 20,000 sites and so you didn't know. Um, but beyond that, we weren't doing that. And behavioral, we were just looking at whether or not people would click and, and based on that, um, you know, do something else. So we had sort of primitive mm-hmm. conditions.
0: So you wouldn't have. There's no way that you would be doing something like remarketing or anything like that because the technology wouldn't have been there yet. I don't know if the technology wasn't
1: there, but we certainly hadn't had that idea.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, the technology may have. Been. I don't know if if this would have been something you would have been privy to. But do you have any recollection of what? especially at the very beginning, what sort of results you were getting in terms of click-through rates or behavior. Was it uh, a success at the beginning? Were people clicking? or Because or... when I spoke to um, Craig Kanarik, who, who did the design for uh, the Wired ads, the first Wired banner ads, uh, he said that they got phenomenal click-through rates because no one had ever seen this before. <laughs> So I'm wondering if you have yeah. any memory of of what sort of numbers you were getting.
1: I do. You know, they were on the order of 5 to
0: 7%. That would, that would um, be phenomenal was, today.
1: incredible, right? right? I mean, it, you know, and we had no idea that that was incredible. Um but within I would say a year, you know, it became pretty clear that that wasn't that wasn't going to last. Um yeah, that that's funny that he remembers that. I remember that also.
0: How much experimenting, and not even just you, you guys specifically, but how much experimenting is going on at the beginning for the makeup of the ads? You know how do you, how quickly do you settle on the banner as this is the standard unit, and and experimenting with different units and different placements and things like that.
1: That's an interesting question. I. Don't remember how. I mean, I would guess. I think that Netscape was instrumental in setting the standard banner size, and that's how that got done. Um, but I do remember having standard banner sizes pretty darn quickly. Um, I don't think it was wired. I think you know Netscape was clearly the big gorilla at that time. And they were setting that sort
0: of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you guys work at all with people like Netscape and Microsoft or, or in terms of setting standards and, and stuff like that going forward?
1: So we certainly weren't working with, uh, wait, let's see. So I think we were actually, I think Microsoft may have been a client of ours, but I don't, wouldn't not absolutely sure about, about that, but um You know, I remember trying to get Yahoo and Netscape to allow us to serve ads on their content and, you know, they would tell us, um, you know, they were going to drown us. And until the Cisco um, director product came out, which allowed you to have multiple servers Um, you know, it was very difficult for us not to drown with that sort of traffic. Um, And so we would sort of do the best we can or do the best we could. But I think that was a major problem for us was how to do that. we just didn't have the tech to figure out how to do that. And so the effect of that was that you would go to a site and the content would materialize first and then, you know, the ad would show up, and people didn't like that, and in particular, the advertisers didn't
0: like it. Mm-hmm. Right, because you know, in, in the dial-up era, the stuff is coming down one piece at a time, sometimes.
1: Right, and you know, we didn't understand that we had to put our content, um, you know, close to the edge, and we didn't understand and nobody else understood that we wanted to do that and so you know it was you know the only guys who understood i think that were sort of the guys at yahoo and and um and netscape and then you know that was pretty early stuff
0: this is another sort of macro level question um but i'm curious to know how how difficult do you feel like it was to convince say a Ford or a Procter & Gamble to start putting their toe in the water and 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 testing uh, marketing on the internet and advertising on the internet
1: so as I recall it wasn't that hard to get them to do you know something because everybody was interested in this and everybody just wanted to learn Um, the issue was you know, how do you get them out of the learning stage and actually into, you know, a meaningful amount of money flowing to us? Um, and that was something that took years for us to figure out because we weren't in this rep business. Mm-hmm. Really understanding that the that the technology needed to be married to uh, repping was something that seemed to elude us. And in okay. retrospect, um you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would certainly have figured that
0: out earlier. Um, the company eventually is, uh, this is down the road, is purchased by CMGI um, in about 1998. Are, were you still with the company at that point?
1: No. So I left in 97.
0: Okay. What, um, there was, I'm imagining there had to have been um, a consolidation, a huge consolidation move amongst advertisers when the dot com madness starts right uh
1: i think for sure there was a, an idea of that yeah
0: people piecing together uh to try to to try to make a a, a holistic company to to do all this stuff at the same time uh, yeah because
1: cmgi you know cmgi was certainly one of those
0: mhm um you you mentioned that if you if you could do it over again you there were some mistakes that you guys made and things like that how looking back on it now it's you know almost 20 years um was it a wild west sort of environment when you started like you you guys are just you're you're dreaming things up and throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks um
1: I don't know if it was that. I remember it just being very exciting, and a very few number of people in the biz and understanding, you know, that this was going to be really important, and and you know everybody was just sort of there was a feeling of being in the know and having a secret that maybe wasn't out yet, mm-hmm. and so it was a lot of fun.
0: Well, and people like to. Uh, love to hate advertising, but one of the reasons why I'm trying to piece together this history of, of web-based advertising and things like that is, you know, this is the first... Advertising provides the first business model that allows the web to grow and to become a real business for the first time. So, you know, I, I would have to think that there's a there's got to be a certain level of pride for the fact that, you know, being being the... The, the founders of this industry that's allowing the larger web industry to be what it is today
1: yeah i uh, you know I would never want to say that I'm proud of you know having done an advertising company but <laughs> I, I I think it was really interesting um to to understand you know what was going on at the in the intersection of technology and marketing and you know the idea that you could figure out what people were really doing in real time um, and, and kind of veer one way or the other, um, you know, with creative messages or, you know, colors or that sort of thing was just was really interesting and fun for us. Um, And frankly, it's been interesting and fun for me for, you know, many, many years, the the idea that you can go and test and sort of be an amateur psychologist and uh, you know, Small differences in colors and creative messaging and context really have huge effects on behavior and in, in a frequently in unexpected uh, ways. And, and that's what's really interesting about all of this. this. You, you don't have to guess. You can just sort of try, and it doesn't cost much, and it doesn't take much time to try.
0: And it's gotten more scientific. Yeah.
1: And I think that's all for the good.
0: Uh you've you've done a lot of stuff like you you've you've been um in venture capital you've you've founded um gaming companies what are what are you what are you doing today where are you at today
1: Ah so um my wife has started a wonderful company uh mobile apps to help kids um with weight control and so I'm helping her um and we're doing very well uh, we're in beta we're helping a lot of kids and i think the company is going to do very very well. Do you and a... it's fun and um i'm looking forward to doing some ad testing um you know as i've been over the, doing over the last you know 15 20 years.
0: Well now it's going to be uh a, a whole new ball game it's going to be all mobile ads and stuff now. Say again? It's going to be all mobile ads now.
1: That's right. And so, you know, that's very exciting. And uh I think we're going to help a lot of kids, so I think that's, that. if this company works, I'll be much, uh, much more proud than I, than I am of the, just the advertising stuff.
0: Do you have a, a website or anything that you can, you can plug for it?
1: Yeah, so the company's called Curbo.com, K-U-R-B-O, uh, you curb your red lights, and um, people should go check it out.
0: Excellent. Uh, Jason Strober, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this.
1: Hey, thank you very much. Take care.